Hey fam, it's Lexi here to welcome you to the You Can Through Christ podcast. I am so honored and excited you're here. I pray these words give you the confidence to know you can do all things through Him. He is for you, loves you, and made you for an exact purpose for this life and the one to come. Stay tuned to find out. Being a parent is the most important job in the world, and no amount of training can prepare you for it. I mean, the world looks at you as being in charge of another person that has a mind and will of their own. The definition is challenging. Even though parenting will be a journey of constant prayer, seeking counsel from others, and learning, we can be grateful there are guidelines to help us along the way. Every single family will have dysfunction but not all families handle dysfunction the same. In Judges 13.8, we find a man named Manoah who prayed to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I beg you to let the man of God you sent to us come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. Manoah asked how to bring up Samson. As he realized, like most parents do, that this is a hard task and we all need guidance. Isaiah 54.13 says, All your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. Just like you love it when your kids ask you for advice, God loves it when you ask Him for His too, since He does have the answers. He will always have your best interests in mind, as well as your kids. John 5, 19-20 says, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He can only do what He sees His Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all He does. Did you know we all have mirror neurons that guide us to imitate and behave what we see? We begin to develop so many of our neurons even right after we're born. Even Jesus Himself made a reference that He only does what He sees His Father doing, our God. It is so important You begin to guide your children the way you want them to go in the beginning, and your direction will be there when they are old. Proverbs 22.6 says, Start children off the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Deuteronomy 6.5-9 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Kids learn by example. You will never be able to do it all as a parent, so please know loving God and trusting Him as a parent is the best example you can set for your child because Who do kids generally look up to and learn from more than anyone? Their parents. Deuteronomy 4, 9-10 says, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at, at Horeb, and he said to me, Assemble the people before me to hear my word, so that they may learn to revere my name, or to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. Deuteronomy 6.2 says to keep God's commands 
so you may enjoy a long life resulting in your children and their children fearing God. Psalm 145, 4-7 says, One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of your glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing your righteousness. As parents, we are to tell our kids about the mighty acts God has done throughout his word and in our own lives to encourage them. Deuteronomy 6.24 says, The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. Deuteronomy 6.20-21 says, in the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the, of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. If our children ask what is the purpose, the commands God has given us, why are they so important? The word says God gives us the commands so we may prosper because he wants you and your kids to thrive. Ezekiel 18.4 says, For everyone belongs to me, the parent as well as the child, both alike belong to me. Job 41.11 says, Everything under heaven belongs to me. Our kids are God's, not our own, but they are an incredible gift from him. Isaiah 29, 23 says, When they see their children, the work of my hands, they will keep my holy name, or keep my name holy. They will acknowledge the holiness of the Holy One of Jacob, and will stand in awe of the God of Israel. Psalm 127, 3-5 says, Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. He knows what is best for them, and we need to trust him. I know this is so hard because there is evil absolutely everywhere. However, God is everywhere too. Jeremiah twenty three twenty four says, Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth? Remember, God loves your kids more than you do. Think of how much you love your kids. That is more love than we can fathom. Parents feel the pressure to be perfect for their kids. And I want you to know you do not need to be perfect to inspire your kids. Your kid needs to see a parent depending on God. Luke one sixty six says, Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Joshua 24.15 says, But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We are all busy, and I know it can be time-consuming, but what is more important than spending time with your kids? I love the story in Luke 10, 38-42, when Jesus was at Martha's, where Mary was at his feet listening. Martha was taking care of all the preparations and asked Jesus to make her help. Jesus said, You are worried about so many things, when all you need to do is focus on me. When questioning priorities, I think of what's eternal. The only things which will last forever are people, God's word, and God himself. One of the best prayers is asking God how to prioritize your time 
as there is absolutely nothing wrong with taking care of your home. There are actually other places in scripture where God says it is good and important to take care of our homes, such as Titus 2.5, which says to stay busy at home. It is a matter of what the priority is for us in that particular moment. If we are always cleaning our homes with no time for Jesus or family, that is different than making cleaning your home a part of your priorities in general. I know this probably came as a bummer to you ladies, as for a second, maybe you got excited thinking I was saying God said we don't have to clean. I honestly would use this story as an excuse for a little bit thinking God says to prioritize other things, so I'm going to put cleaning on the back burner. I have to say I love my mom's attitude as she would say she enjoys cleaning because it reminds her she has a family to clean after. Even if you think this mentality still won't motivate you, I encourage you to give it a try. The scary reality as a parent is that it is impossible to keep your kids from evil in this broken world. The best thing you can do is equip them to be the light. Jesus is the difference. No matter if your child does chores growing up, no matter if you pay for them growing up, no matter if they go to public or private school, Jesus is always the difference. Parents will say spoiled kids will not grow up working hard. Well, I know a lot of people whose parents provided for them and they still appreciate it. They were still disciplined, but they paid for their kids to do maybe club sports, maybe paid for schooling for their kids, maybe helped their kids with a car, and their kids still went on to work hard at their jobs, sports, and desired to go to church. I still saw respect for their parents. Everyone varies if and when they have curfews or controlled screen time. I am by no means saying parents should not control these aspects or have differing opinions on it. I completely get every child is different and discipline may need to be approached differently. My point in saying this is that all parenting can be respected as long as Jesus is the difference. Psalm 119.9 says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. My mom and dad have both been extremely influential in my life. I want to point out two complete different careers. My mom stayed at home to take care of us in our home until she began working when we left for college at the front desk while my dad worked a full-time job as a commodities trader on the board of trade. The difference of how they influenced me, even though they had completely different jobs, is again completely in Christ. Psalm 127.1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Many times, families lash out at each other because of hidden pains or unsaid issues which only create more hurt. The beauty is, if we let him, God can make good from painful circumstances in our family. Not because our pain is not severe, but because he is just that powerful. It is so important at a young age we explain to kids Jesus is their best friend because other relationships will come and go in their lives, as well as, unfortunately, some bullying. When they know they can have a constant, this will always give them someone to turn to. When they have confidence in God being their best friend, they will be less likely to feel lonely and understand their value and worth even when others do not. We all know this world can be cruel, and it seems like no matter how popular or not you are in school, someone will always have something to say. 
The words will hurt your kids, just like they still hurt us as adults, even though we do not always admit it. My turning point was when I realized what Jesus says about me is true, that he designed me how I am supposed to look, regardless of what someone thinks about your talent, skills, or your looks. It is so easy to get inside our own heads, thinking what others say is truth. Teach them what Jesus says, because sometimes kids do not even see what their parents say as truth, as it's easy to think, well, mom and dad are supposed to say that just because I'm their kid. Your words of encouragement definitely impact your child. Do not think otherwise. Just imagine telling your child the king of the universe handpicked their eyes, nose, cheeks, and smile. That is something to take pride in. My favorite quote from my mom has to be one time when I asked her, are you eating alone? She said, no, I'm having Taco Bell with Jesus. As hilarious as this sounds, we really are never alone, even at Taco Bell. I admire her confidence in the Lord, and it is something I strive for daily. My dad's main reminders were and are, work hard, give glory to God, be thankful for your skill set. He says we are champions for Jesus. Hard work and humility go hand in hand. Remember to serve and that it is not all about you, but the people you help. Stay grounded, stay humble in Jesus. He is the tie that binds. He always says he has no doubt. He prays that we stop worrying about things that don't matter and that we give it to God. God has put us where we are, not only to be successful, but to help others. He reminds us God has great plans, his plans, and that is all that matters. Out of all my dad's encouragement, nothing comforts your child more than telling them God has perfect plans for their life and with God, all things are possible. My dad has always been my coach. No one has ever pushed me harder, has told me to quiet down more, even if the entire team was talking, I would get yelled at, and yet has seen the most potential in me. He has instilled a passion and work ethic, and I am grateful and know he did not become this father by chance, but by choice of God. A prayer he sent me and my brother Hunter before we left for college was this. Dear Lord, my emotions are mixed. On one hand, I feel life's mission has been accomplished. On the other hand, I'm feeling a little sad, missing our kids already. Please remove my worry. Go with them, Lord, as they head into this world. Bless them, protect them, keep them close to you. Do not let the world derail their faith or steal their optimism. Help me continue to keep praying for them because they will always be my children, even though they are on their own. I commit them into your hands, God. In Jesus' name, amen. I thought this was a great prayer to share for all the parents struggling when your kids leave for college as the heartache can be unbearable. Pray for your kids. This is the best thing you can do. You will not have all the answers. None of us do, but a constant reminder that God does. I have always been competitive in sports like my dad and just knew he would be proud if we placed at nationals for our travel team and if I played sports in college. I all... I also always had the dream to be prom queen like my mom, and again, just knew she would just be so proud of me if I was. I was surprised when I reached my goals, but I did not get the fulfillment from them I was looking for. They told me these accomplishments did not make them more or less proud or make them love me more or less. They already love me because I am their child, which had me thinking how God also looks at us the same. Did you know that? I get this false mentality all the time. I can make God proud of me, or worse, that I can disappoint him if I do not do enough or be enough. 
God's love for you can never change no matter what you do because you are his child. He already loved you before the creation of the world, which is so hard to comprehend, and will love you more or will love you just as much at the end of your life, no matter how much you accomplish. I have friends and family who have dealt with infertility and miscarriages. I've talked with them to get an understanding on this intense pain, heartache, and what brings them comfort in the difficult time. It is so hard because there's conflict in what brings some people comfort, but others hurt. Some people take comfort knowing it will happen on God's timing. Others, it brings grief when their heart is hurting. Some said the best thing is to just know others are hurting with them and praying for them. Check in with your friends and family to see how they're doing. Scripture references how God is the giver and taker of life and the grief and prayer that we're to follow. Ruth 4, 13-17 says, so Boaz, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. I think the story of Ruth is a great example of how God took complete tragedy and turned it around for his good and glory, blessing Naomi through her daughter-in-law Ruth, greater than if she had seven sons. Hannah was a woman in the Bible who cried out to God in deep anguish when she struggled with infertility. When God proved himself faithful to her and prayed, 1 Samuel 2, 1-9, which says, Then Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord, and the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who are who are full hire themselves out for food but those who are hungry are hungry no more she who is barren has borne seven children but she who has had many sons pines away the lord brings death and makes alive he brings down to the grave and raises up the lord sends poverty and wealth he humbles and he exalts he raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap he seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor for the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. We look at those in the Bible and realize there's hope for all of us. Even those who made the greatest impact on the world from their faith in God made the worst mistakes which lead to pain in their families. Second Samuel thirteen fourteen has a devastating story about a situation of rape in David's family. And David was called a man after God's own heart. I say this so you know you are not alone if you feel the weight of the broken world affecting your family. God wants to help and every single family has brokenness they've either worked through or they're working through. Do not be fooled from outward appearances, but know we always have hope. Proverbs 12, 7 says, 
but the house of the righteous stands firm. Proverbs 3.33 says, The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. The verse in 1 Chronicles 13.14 gives a specific example about how this was true for Obed-Edom. The Lord blessed his household and everything he had because the ark of God was in their household. We will never have it together, so the key is we are only righteous in Christ and making it clear we are relying on him alone to bring restoration and reconciliation within relationships in the family. Psalm 37, 25-26 says, How from youth until we are old, we will never see the righteous forsaken, and their children will be a blessing. Psalm 78, 4-7 says how he commands us to tell the next generation, our children, the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord in his power, the wonders he has done for Jacob and Israel, so they can tell their children and put their trust in God, not forgetting his deeds or commands. Every time I would come to my friend Claire, who is about 10 years younger than me, about something I'm worried about, her immediate response is to trust God. There is no anxiousness in her voice and always peace that whatever happens, he will take care of it. I think this was a learned response from her parents as I've seen their family. I felt this was the only explanation as I would think, how can someone so young have such a confidence and immediate response of peace in some of the most heartbreaking situations? Psalm 112, 1 through 2 says, Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Isaiah 61, 9 says, Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people of the Lord. They are a people the Lord has blessed. Proverbs 14, 26 says, Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. Even though children still have to make their own choices and parents cannot receive salvation for their children, whether we fear the Lord or not will still have a direct effect on our kids. Psalm 128, 1-4 says, Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to Him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. Your entire family is affected whether you fear the Lord or not, as this fear will directly impact how you live. Proverbs 13.24 says, When we love our children, we discipline them. Proverbs 23.13 says, Discipline creates hope. And the Bible even says it steers children from death itself. Proverbs 22.15 says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. Isn't it funny? It seems you don't have to teach your kids to misbehave. Many studies have been done whether kids will cheat or not for a reward if they do not think anyone is watching them as opposed to if you are watching them or tell them God or their imaginary friend is. I think most would say 100% of the kids cheated when thinking no one was watching. Proverbs 29.17 says, Discipline your children and they will give you peace. They will bring you the delights you desire. Parents sometimes seem to be scared to discipline their children, thinking it will ruin their relationship with them when actually it's the complete opposite. As long as you discipline sternly out of love with your heart in the right place, trying to steer them in the right path and not to satisfy your own anger, it actually leads to peace and life for your children and your whole family.
All right, kids, if you're listening, help your parents out. They're under so much pressure to, quote, control you, even when you ultimately do make your own decisions, no matter how much of an influence they have on you. Proverbs 15.5 says, A fool spurns a parent's discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. Proverbs 17.21 says, To have a fool for a child brings grief. There is no joy for the parent of a godless fool. Proverbs 10.1 says, A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. Proverbs 20.20 says, If someone curses their father or mother, their lamp will be snuffed out in pitch darkness. Hebrews 12.5-10 says, This encouragement addresses you like a father his son. It says to the son, Take the Lord's discipline seriously. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because he disciplines who he loves who has Jesus. Embrace hardship as discipline. God is treating us as his children, and what children are not disciplined by their father? If you didn't have discipline, you are not truly his child. We respect our earthly father for his discipline. How much more should we submit to our father and live? Deuteronomy 8, 2-5 says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. Just like parents discipline children because they love them, the Lord also does the same with us. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4 says, You are supposed to honor your father and mother as this is the first commandment with a promise. Children, obey your parents in the Lord and honor your mother and father, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and you can enjoy a long life. Fathers, bring up your children in the training and instruction of the Lord. Maybe you really struggle with honoring your parents because honestly, they don't deserve it in your eyes. Maybe they weren't a great example or maybe they didn't even stick around to be in your life. I cannot imagine how hard this must be. But I can tell you from my friends and family's personal experience, if you pray about it and find ways to honor them, even if you don't agree with the decisions they've made, you will be shocked how God works in this. Unless your parents ask you to sin or go go against God, any other requests I encourage you to do for them or help help them with, as God says, this is the first commandment with a promise. There is a way to honor your parents without agreeing with everything they do as they are human. And since God created this command in the first place, you bet he will help you figure out how. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 11-12, Paul has specific instructions for all the dads out there saying, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. 1 Timothy 5.1 says how us kids are to respond to our dad saying, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Part of honoring your father does not even have 
have to be the exact words you use, but even the tone you talk to him when you're showing your respect. Matthew 10.37 says, Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Luke 8.20-21 says, Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside waiting to see you. And this is Jesus. He replied, My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. God is clear we are to love and care for our families. Then, what does this verse mean? Jesus is making a point that even though our family is supposed to be our priority, he is supposed to come first. He also makes a point that even though our family, by blood, will always have a special place in our hearts, our church family is what will last for eternity, which hopefully our families, by blood, are a part of too. Anyone who is a believer in this world is a part of the church family, and that makes them your family too. Matthew 18 1 through 5 says, The disciples asked Jesus, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child and said, Unless you become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You must take the lowly place of this child to be the greatest in heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. God says the children's angels always see God's face. In Matthew 18, 6, Luke 17, 1 through 2, and Mark 9, 42, God gives a harsh warning to those who cause children to stumble. No matter how difficult or rebellious your little ones may get, it is a great reminder to have us see them from God's perspective as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The ultimate goal of life with your kids is, is um, 3 John 1 through 4, which says, I have no greater joy than this. To hear my children are walking in the truth. Even though we cannot make the decision for them, you have more of an influence than you know in your guidance, your example, and your prayer. The good news is, regardless of the outcome in your day-to-day -day life of parenting, you never have to feel anxious because God is the builder of your home, your family, and you. Even in the midst of the family challenges, craziness, and dysfunction, I cannot wait to see the beautiful home and family he creates for his glory and goodness and for your goodness even if everyone else refuses to believe in the home whether through your words or actions you always have the choice to bring God into your home and when you do it will be the best Hebrews 3 4 says for every house is built by someone but God is the builder of everything Thanks for hanging out with us. For more, go to youcanthroughchrist.com. You are loved.